Welcome back to the Shape of a Star podcast, where everyone has a story. We just need to shape it to the, like, where the star or something like that. So just by coincidence of our lucky schedule of life, we had on an engagement photographer Valentine's Day. And today is, in theory, if all goes to plan, April 11th, 2023, which is like four days before tax day. So do your damn taxes, people. Um... So yeah, today I have on that works in like the money, money, accountant taxing field. Maybe not taxing itself, but they had to take a tax class in order to do stuff with it. So I'm counting it. Uh, you people asked for financial advice and well, this is the coolest person I know that does all that stuff that could also hold a conversation about stuff I know about. So if I get things wrong when we get to the money stuff, don't blame me because I took your questions. So, here today, we have Jonathan. Hello. Hello. Welcome. Feels good to be here. Right. It does, actually, having you on. <laughs> Do you know how often I've tried to get you on, actually? Uh, no idea, actually. Since I incepted the show, like, over a year ago. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. then I guess it feels good to be here for number 50, then. Actually, you're right. It does. <laughs> no, I just didn't think to check your friggin' Instagram to get your email or to DM there. I was just DMing on Facebook. Oh, yeah. No, uh, the uh, the email address I have on my Instagram is probably the one I created it with uh, however many years ago. I guess like closer to 10, maybe almost 15 years. <laughs> so it's not right. <laughs> it's okay. I also forgot I had your number. So... <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, I was literally like asking people like, tell him that Jack. <laughs> but yeah, so to bring this all to introduce yourself to the world, in the form you pre-fill out that everyone does, you described yourself as a sentient pair of sunglasses. Please describe in what ways. Uh, so ever since I was young, uh, I have liked wearing sunglasses a lot. Like it's my favorite accessory. And so in a lot of pictures that I've taken of myself and Ones that other people have taken of me, I am wearing sunglasses, and it's probably my most varied accessory. So it is something that I think is very close to me as a person that probably reflects, uh, I guess, my personality as much as anything else that I put on my body. Cool. And for those who don't know, sentient means to be able to feel or perceive things. Because <laughs> until you started saying that, I was like, how is this sentient? Because I was thinking sedimentary. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that might be true, too, but... I mean, you're more active than something that lies there and does nothing. Uh. Which, yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that. Okay, so because you're a sentient pair of sunglasses, what brand are you? Um, so I like to think of myself, and mostly because it is my favorite brands, or, well, I guess favorite brand. Uh, you ever see those, like, ads on Instagram for, like, $30 pair, thirty pair of sunglasses that are just for, like weird styles and like weird colors, things that are a little uh, less conventional than you'd expect. Like I'm, I'm those, I like those the most. Uh, I'd probably even go as far as to shout out specifically Sunvoss uh, because that is my preferred brand. They seem to have like a lot of like weird, but stylish, sensible sunglasses. You can't see it, but behind me, there actually is just a rack of sunglasses. Ooh. How do you keep them from getting broken then? Um, I don't. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> uh, which is why it's good that they're generally on the cheaper side um, because I have been, I think for my high school graduation, uh, my mom bought me a very expensive pair of like 
Oakleys or something. And I eventually went on to college to lose them. So I now only buy ones where it's just like, this is cool and stylish, but if it, they break, it's not the end of the world. That's a great tip because I've never owned a pair of sunglasses that has not been destroyed. Yeah, no. And that's why also I have a lot is because I have a lot of variety and that's also a little bit of diversification in the event that something happens to one of them. Well, I hope the algorithm picks us up so I can start getting those ads. I just had LASIK, <laughs> so I didn't wear sunglasses. <laughs> yeah. Now I need sunglasses. Oh, yeah. No, come through. <laughs> uh, yeah. So what color and style would they be? These um, sunglasses. So I think I would base myself off of my favorite uh, pair of sunglasses, which right now are like a gradient pink to clear uh, pair of sunglasses. Um, normally, I traditionally only wear like very dark and darker colors but now that uh it's getting warm around and i'm outside more often uh, i tried working with lighter colors a little bit and so i kind of just went all in on pink or you know salmon as they like to market it to uh you know men who are a little more insecure um so i you know i try to give myself a little more color to work with so i think i would consider myself the pink gradient sunglasses that's funny you say you usually wear darker colors because whenever I see you, you're always in white. <laughs> well, I, you know, it looks like you caught me in the times where I'm finally outside and seeing the sun for once. No, I catch you at conventions. <laughs> <laughs> where, yeah, anything goes. If you've ever been to one, yeah, you know. If you haven't, go try it out safely, uh, wear a mask, get vaccinated, uh, all that crap. Yeah. <laughs> Stuff that you could have done by now. <laughs> oh yeah by now is june 15th 2022 yeah so you've had plenty of time and if the t tax laws or something change by the time this episode premieres it's not our fault <laughs> stay up to date <laughs> because now we're heading into the math section so All right like i said earlier i brought you on here because people keep requesting for me to bring on someone into finance and typically talk about saving tips and whatnot well while you are not working in finance literally you are super accomplished in the field, I will say. Thank and you. You're a CPA, which is a public certified accountant, and you've been one forever, aka since I've known you. So let's chat about that. Things... So, yeah. Oh, go on. Oh, uh, yeah. Basically, I have been working in, well, actually, at this point, technically, I don't work in public accounting, but when I started out in my career, I was working in public. And leaving public was probably one of the best things I ever did. Um, high recommend to anyone who is going into the going into accounting, especially public accounting, uh, do your time and get out. <laughs> uh, corporate is generally a lot cushier, uh, generally a lot less stressful. And in many cases, you do get paid more unless you move up the uh, public ladder. And then, you know, you might be getting paid more, but the toll it takes on your life is miserable. Can't recommend getting out of now. Okay, so what is defined as like public versus like corporate or private? So when you work in public accounting, basically you work at a firm of accountants who basically outsource their skills to other companies who will hire you to do accounting things for them. So in many cases, that's tax audit. Sometimes it's bookkeeping. Sometimes it's just uh, literally just straight up uh, general ledger accounting. Um, whereas corporate, uh, the company hires you to do accounting internally. Um, so in order to work in public, uh, the reason the CPA license exists is basically to give the public some kind of confidence that you're doing, that you're A, uh, ethically inclined, B, actually well-trained and knowledgeable, and C, making sure that uh, the that there is trust in 
the uh, in the industry, basically. In money we trust. It's like it says on the dollar. The American way. <laughs> yeah. So the fans had questions. Here we go. Can you tell us a little bit about your general duties as an accountant? Yeah. So as an accountant, where I currently work in my cushy corporate job, uh, I mostly am working uh, with general ledger accounts. So it's me seeing economic activity and figuring out how to translate that into a way that works for uh, financial reporting. So very, very, very theoretically, um, let's say something as simple as like, uh, we give somebody cash to buy like a computer or something. I see this information, I see the invoice, and I say basically, what is the underlying economic substance here? It's us giving up the asset cash to acquire another asset. So basically, it's kind of like, in a way, it's like alchemy, where it's something goes in and something else comes out. A lot of the time, it's just different things changing form. And so it's just a series of equations, basically, to present underlying financial activity for what is often investors, but sometimes just for the company to be able to tell, like, what's going on? How are we doing financially performance and all that? Okay, that makes more sense, because I'm thinking, like, accountants are doing taxes, and I'm like, what do you do the rest of the year? Oh, yeah. There are, we do have a tax team, a designated tax team, which for me is good because I did do tax in my original job. And let me tell you, I don't miss it at all. So that's a universal statement I hear. <laughs> yeah. So there are certain people that love tax and they're a different breed. More power to them. Oof. That's like my field. People hate <laughs> risk assessments, which is like people that are feeling suicidal ideations or murderous ideations and. Well, that was my favorite part of therapy, so... Yeah, I was about to say, some people are just uniquely outfitted to excel at some things. And fortunately, uh, the ones that I excel at are ones that I can tolerate, so... <laughs> See, everyone? That's why I bring Jonathan on. He's so inclusive. <laughs> All right, so do you deal with taxes or auditing? Uh, I used to. I used to do both tax and audit, actually. Now, fortunately, I don't... Do I don't perform tax or audit, but I do work with our auditors. Um, with my old job, I did do tax and audit. Most of our clients were nonprofits. So it was a lot of looking at things and figuring out. They do play by a slightly different rules because they are not putting out their uh, financial statements for investors. Um, although they are required to put them out there um, for regulatory purposes. So it's not like people are thinking like, oh, you know, I want to put money towards them, you know, so I can see return on my funds or anything. It's just like, I want to make sure this company is actually doing what they're saying they're doing with the money that they get from donations. You know, I just recently learned about that because I work for a nonprofit and one of my coworkers was like, oh, yeah, I just looked up what half the people make. I'm like, that's public. Oh, OK. Yeah. So, you know, if uh, you do work for a nonprofit, uh, you know, go ahead and look up how much uh, the guy who runs your company makes. You know, it, it might radicalize you or it might make you feel marginally better. You never know. Ours was the latter. <laughs> <laughs> it made no difference to me, <laughs> but apparently... Oh, and apparently most of our board does not take anything. They just yeah. do it. And I was like, oh, <laughs> what a waste. <laughs> but that's greedy me, and that's why I don't do that stuff. So how long have you been in the field? Uh, so I've been working in accounting since, let's see, I graduated in the summer of 2014. Didn't get hired until 2015. 
uh, you know, pro tip, if you are in college and you graduate in the summer, it's going to be a rough six months. Uh, at least in the world of accounting, most people don't actually do too much hiring until the new year comes. Um, so that was a lot of time I had to reflect. And by reflect, I mean like depression and video games every day. <laughs> um, but yeah. So uh, let's see, 2015, I guess about seven-ish years. Wow, like seasoned pro technically at this rate. Yeah, by definition. Wow. Okay, and so the next question is, do you have your CPA? But the more interesting thing is, how long have you had it? <laughs> um, so I actually very recently passed the exam. Um, I've been I've been studying for a while, and I had uh, worked in public and then also uh, worked in corporate. Basically, once I started working in corporate, the uh, the desire to get a CPA license kind of waned a little bit because if I'm not working in public, I'll, it's, you know, you start asking yourself, why am I doing this? But uh, a lot of licensure does come with a lot of benefits, even if you aren't working in public. A lot of people kind of see that as a badge of honor. So frequently, most people do it for the uh, bump in salary. And so that's kind of what I was in it for. Okay, see, because I was told you've always had it since I met you like in 2014, basically. Uh, that usually comes with people's misunderstanding of what it means to be a CPA. I was just simply an accountant who was studying for the CPA exam. Um, people just kind of see when you're like, I'm an accountant, and they're like, oh, you're a CPA. But not all not all accountants are CPAs. No. Okay, people, let me tell you about the crazy world of CPAing, because that's actually something I do know about accounting. I know nothing about the money itself. I just know how like this test drives people crazy. So there's four parts to the CPA, right? Yes, sir. I forget what the four parts are, but they're really hard. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, audit, uh, business, uh, environment, uh, tax, and financial. So there's five? Or no, just one of those? Uh, business environment is one. So that's oh, four. Okay. Yeah. So back in the olden days, you had to take all four parts at once. Yep. And you had to pass all four parts in order yep. to get it. No shot I would have been a CPA back then. <laughs> well, many people weren't. Yeah, also true. <laughs> Which is why they switched it to you can now like take it in parts as long as you pass all the parts within like two years of each other. Yeah, I think it's 18 months, but yeah. Wow, 18 months still. That's not easy. Yeah, yeah I was about to say it's, it's more lenient, but it's still challenging. Yeah. So if you do meet a CPA, mad respect people, <laughs> they suffered. Okay, so next question from the audience world is, in this current political climate worldwide, what are the effects that it's had on the U.S. economy? Um, I'm sure as you've noticed, uh, things are not great. We are, and like, economically, from a market perspective, we're entering bear market territory as we've seen losses for weeks over weeks. Uh, it's kind of unclear to tell uh, where things are going, especially as the Federal Reserve, I think, has not made any declaration on rates yet, but I would probably start preparing for things to get worse before they get better. I don't think we, I think we're kind of just seeing the tip of the iceberg here, but that also might just be me being the pessimist that I am, but that, you know, that also kind of keeps you safe. So world, when this episode comes out, because remember it is June 15th, 2022, and this episode's coming out tax week next year. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, so here's to hoping, you know, future us are looking at a better economic standing. Yeah. Uh, do you recommend investing in either the stock market or certain assets right now? Um, no, I don't. Uh, right now, uh, it 
looks like, I mean, things are looking rough. And like I said, I still think there's more opportunity for it to look rougher. So at the moment, I would probably stay out of stock and crypto because it, they both look terrible. Um, what I would recommend right now is uh, investment grade bonds because those the rates with those uh, do fluctuate with inflation. And in a high inflationary period, right, like right now, you're going to get rates that are pretty much outperforming every other investment vehicle right now. Does that mean I'm going to feel patriotic buying a bond, like a war bond back in a hundred years ago? When you get that, when you get those interest payments, you will, the small part of you might just like whisper, God bless America or something. You know, you don't have to tell your friends if that's how you feel. <laughs> I was thinking more of like, I'm going to wear Rosie the Riveter and just feel oh, empowered. Yeah, yeah like, I was about to say, yeah, no, you can't see it right now, but there's a, there's a poster of Uncle Sam telling me to buy uh, U.S. bonds. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Well, I'm glad I got the correct bond because <laughs> it could have gone anywhere. I literally know nothing. Um, yeah. Oh, the next question was how should people go about like say, investing? So war bonds, people. Uh, Daddy Warbucks, invest in you <laughs> to save your country. I don't know. The 20 American history is not my thing. Honestly, <laughs> any history isn't. I was I American history is probably the only one that I'm remotely good at, and it's only because it was interesting to me. In, when I was young in school, because it's just a history of war. You know, that is fair. <laughs> Only reason why I know any part of history is because over the pandemic, I've said this before on the podcast, so bear with me, people. I like telling it, if you know it. So we were watching The Greatest Showman, me and my sister, mm -hmm. and she's a super history buff. And she's like, the opening scene, like the whole museum starts. Have you seen it? Uh, I have not, actually. Okay, well, spoiler alert, I'll because <laughs> that's what happened to her. So she sees this museum and she's like, oh, isn't this the museum that burns down? <laughs> and I'm like, shut up. And she's like, what? And then like end of the movie, it starts burning down. And she was like, oh, that's why you told me to shut up. <laughs> I was like, yeah, because history ruined your viewing. But the actor played one of the English queens <laughs> in a different show. And as like six was getting big in England and like on the West End. So, so my sister then was like, hey, uh, you would like the show, so we're just going to go through the history of like 300, 200 years of English history through TV shows. Mm -hmm. So what I know is a very fictionalized version, but I know them. Yeah, I was about to say, some some might say that's the best version. Um, yeah, for me it is. Witchcraft, <laughs> cursing, great. Yeah. Okay, so what are some areas of investment people should stay away from? uh i cannot emphasize this enough right now is a bad time to be in crypto i mean depending on who you are it might have always been a bad time um a lot of it is based on speculation and hype so if you're not willing to watch your money go up and down like a wild roller coaster based off of internet behavior then uh, don't get in there not a great time good way to lose money you're basically speaking as if you're anti-nft as well 100% anti-NFT. I cannot stress that enough. And who knows, maybe we'll all be laughing about them by the time this airs. I mean, we're kind of laughing about them now and have been laughing about them, but maybe more than we are now. Okay, can you then explain what an NFT is? Because I don't get it. So it's a non-fungible token, which basically means that... In, oh, God. I, you know, my I feel like everyone's definition to some degree, will get them well actually on social media at some point. So I will give it to the best of my ability, where in many cases, it's art that is 
often gen um, generated by uh, sometimes an algorithm. Sometimes it's even handcrafted. Long story short, the idea is that someone has put some kind of art together that is allegedly one of a kind and can only be owned in one uh, method through acquisition or purchase on the blockchain. When in reality, um, you know, these are often just JPEGs that people can find ways to screenshot or save. So <laughs> it's basically art that, you know, prides itself on quote unquote being unreplicatable, but uh, obviously it is clearly replicatable. And that was my question. How is it different than a copyright? Um, it's worse because it doesn't work. <laughs> Fair. No, I get a lot of NFT questions because people are like, oh, you got a podcast? Tell me about your NFTs. I'm like, Ew. Oh, God. Yeah, no. NFT, anybody who makes an NFT and uh, markets them are generally scam artists or just artists trying to monetize their art. Um, you can generally tell between the two, but either way, NFTs as a concept are a scam. Right. And that's why all these celebrities talking about it nonstop. I'm like, what are you talking about? Oh, yeah. No, that's because people line up to buy that shit. Well, you heard it here first, people. Or maybe not first, but you heard it here <laughs> again. <laughs> NFTs make no sense, so avoid it. <laughs> okay. Can you explain building credit and why it's so important to do? All right. Yeah. So building credit, uh, your credit score um, more or less kind of determines who's willing to lend money to you and how they are willing to lend money to you. Um, basically the easiest way to build credit generally is to just by owning a credit card and paying it off periodically or like when your statement is due. Um, also I think maybe like small loans might help. It's kind of unclear, um, what does and doesn't affect credit score. People will generally give you like an outline, but sometimes they'll just look at your report and be like, huh, this seems grossly unaffected by this thing I did. Um, the easiest way to not, you know, tank your credit score is, you know, just kind of be shitty with your credit card, be late for things, uh, be late on payments for any kind of debt. Um, and even, uh, inquiries from like people that you would theoretically owe money to, but aren't on debt, uh, terms with like, let's say a landlord or somebody you're paying rent to, if you miss rent payments on that, that can be, that can affect, um, I guess your, your credit score and your general reputation. So it's pretty much just. A representation of how good of a person you are to lend money to. That's a great way to explain it, actually, because the way I usually describe it is I'm like, guys, it's your representation uh, numerized for people that don't understand social concepts. <laughs> Basically, it's, <laughs> if, you know, for uh, anybody who wants to lend you money and they just look at you like, I don't want to talk to him. I just want to figure out, like, you know, how likely is it that I get my money back if I lend him money? Old white men couldn't figure out how to do social graces. <laughs> so they made it monetized, numerized, whatever. Yeah, There's yeah, a word. They, they assigned <laughs> numbers to it. <laughs> yep. So thank you for that act. That was really good. Uh, are there any future tax trends that we should watch out for? Uh, currently, to my knowledge, I don't think so. But that kind of tends to change with uh, who's in charge at the top. Sometimes Congress makes changes to the tax code. Sometimes it's the president. Um, I mean, the last big changes we saw were um, obviously ACA was huge under Obama. And then also any changes that came after that. And then also any changes to uh, child tax credits and things you can claim. Uh, for a lot of people I know, a lot of the stuff is not relevant because they kind of streamlined the standard deduction. So that's kind of just takes a lot of the... Um, 
I guess a lot of the the details out of things. So it's just like you just take the standard deduction for the most part. No need to itemize or anything like that if you're a person with not that much going on. That's exactly what my mom says. She's like, don't worry, you're too poor for the government to care. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <like>, okay. yeah. <laughs> basically. I mean, it works for me. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm off the radar like those psychos, but um, <laughs> no, I know a couple people. He was like, I'm off the radar. Oh, uh, yeah. no, nobody's truly off the radar. I mean, it really just depends on how much you want to get away with. There will was, come a time as if you're acting up on your tax returns, they will find out. Well, not only that, I'm like, you're a veteran that goes to the VA. Oh, <laughs> what radar yeah, are you yeah, off of? <laughs> yeah, you're, you're very, yeah, very much on the radar here. <laughs> so, yeah. So you could go watch your shows and make believe like on Discovery Channel, right? Yeah. Pretend that yeah. you're like living out in the woods or some shit. No. Go have fun. It's yeah. not me. Um, <laughs> where do you see the economy going the next five years, assuming the political climate continues? Uh, it It's going to be rough. Uh, I don't know. Like I said, it's kind of hard to tell where we are in the general trajectory. Obviously, things have only gotten worse. Um, obviously, things have the potential to get better. It's kind of hard to tell, especially that there is a presidential election within you know two years from now. Um, so that might change things. It might literally change nothing. It's kind of hard to tell. Um, but generally, what is a good indicator of economic uh, situations is how bad civil unrest gets. So if you, uh, you know, if you're seeing more action out in the streets than usual, it's probably going to only get rougher. Wow. Again, I did not make these questions, people, unless it's one of the ones clarifying like an NFT. So sorry, it's all <laughs> doom and gloom right now. I swear, Jonathan's way more fun than this. <laughs> um, can you explain what a 401k is and when slash how a person should start investing in it? Yeah, so 401k is basically an investment vehicle through your employer where uh, you take pre-tax dollars from your uh, payment, or like when, when I say payment, I mean like compensation from your whoever you work for, and it goes towards, um, towards market-based securities that kind of grow over time, presume, or that you would want to grow over time. As of right now, it's kind of unclear. I haven't looked at my 401k for my own sanity's sake. But chances are, due to economic or due to uh, market stature right now, it's probably not looking great. Um, but basically, it's a retirement fund based off of market performance. And so, honestly, you probably should start putting money in it as soon as somebody hires you. Um, it's a lot of it's a part of a lot of compensation uh, packages when you do start working somewhere. So definitely take advantage of that, especially if they have employer match. Um, especially if there is employer match, you're going to want to put in as much as you can um, so that you can maximize how much your company is also putting in. Um, and yeah. Yeah, no, super, super good to hear. That's exactly what my parents have told me my whole life too. It's good advice. Timeless even. Ah, look at that. Such a timeless episode. We're talking about like war bonds, <laughs> <laughs> how NFTs are not going to be a thing. Like, so many things, people. Money doesn't change despite how much we need it. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, that is very true. Oh, and what is the importance of a 401k? Uh, if you ever have either plans or dreams of retiring or literally having any money to your name when you were uh, 
unable to work or you just don't feel like working or when you can legally retire, uh, you're going to want to have money at your disposal. Um, this is basically just more or less putting money in a vehicle so that it grows over time. So you'll have something to enjoy later in life. Simple, simple people invest in mm -hmm. yourself. Okay. What is the best advice that you can give the average person who's trying to be more financially conscious, i.e. someone who's looking to invest more, save more, make the best use of their cash? Uh, rule number one, I know this is like one that, you know, old people love to like shit on millennials for. Um, there's some truth there. It's not the reason why any of us are poor per se, but it is just a good financial habit, which is to not live outside your means or not to too frequently live outside your means. So that includes buying a car that you probably can't afford or taking out loans that you realistically have no way of paying back or that you have no plan to pay back. Um, often means stop trying to impress your friends by buying cool shit you can't really afford. Um, if your friends, if you have friends that you know just have more money than you, and because that's a reality that we all face at some point, you don't need to like match them. You don't need to impress them. You don't need to like try to flex for them. You don't need to flex for people you don't like and that don't really like you that much. Um, it's a lot of it's just when it comes to discretionary spending, be smart. Um, as far as saving goes, uh, always, obviously, if you can afford to do so, put some money away from each allocation of income that you receive. Um, like I said, I mentioned I-bonds earlier, big fan, big fan. Um, you can either put them into that, a savings account, which I mean, is more so just for aggregating cash. It's not gonna earn you that much in interest at this point, um, but it is good to just have money set aside for either emergencies or big purchases for things that you like. If you have the option to finance something, especially if it has a 0% interest rate, take it every time you can. There is no downside for you to do that. Um, it also helps your credit score. Yeah, that too. And for things that do have a, you know, um, an interest rate, as long as it's not like overwhelmingly predatory, um, if you if it does make your life easier to take, uh, you know, payments over a period of time versus all at once, by all means, do it. Wow, such sound financial advice today, people. <laughs> Okay, so here endeth the people question portion. Now we're converting back to the questions I know and understand. All right. All right. Still on the same-ish topic. Uh, what's your biggest money-saving tips for people leaving high school? Uh, so there's uh, two different categories. There's things that you definitely should not do and then things that you should do. Um, I kind of already touched on a little bit, but definitely don't try to live outside your means too much. I know a lot of people, the first thing they do when they get a source of income is try to finance some car they think is really cool that they, that's probably outside your price range. So and I, I know it's like a military trope that like dudes always like go out and buy a charger the first time they get paid and shit like that. So, I mean, if you can't afford it, more power to you, but if you can't, you know, relax, you can, you can buy a used car and just like live sustainably for a bit before like upgrading to something that you really want. Um, I know a lot of people who have tried to live in like fancy, cool apartments in trendy parts of town to like impress their friends, which I mean is cool and good if once again, if that's sustainable for you. But once again, don't don't spend a shit ton of money to like kill yourself over people who more or less are only fleetingly impressed with the things that you have. That's uh, just bad, bad mantra. Don't don't do that. Um, things that you should do 
is that uh, if you are borrowing money or taking out um, loans for any purpose, that you know why you're doing that, uh, know how uh, especially interest payments work and the payment schedule that you're expected to abide by and have some kind of sustainable plan for repayment. So like if, you know, if your loan payments are greater than the amount of money you make, you are in hot water, you are in trouble, don't do that. Um, if you have money set aside for that, you know, you won't need to touch for anything. Um, high recommend for investing. Once again, I will plug iBonds again, big fan. Um, other things, there are a lot of apps out there that are focused on investing. Um, right now, I would highly recommend getting into um, investments that aren't market related or market based. So I, I know a I can't say exactly if I would fully recommend it, but I know Fundrise is popular among friends, uh, which is for getting into real estate, uh, which is good. And then also uh, Prosper, which is P2P lending, which has its own risks, but generally uh, people seem to like it. Um, and also just reading up and understanding how debt, credit cards and things like that work. Because if, if you do have a good credit score, it is generally advantageous for you to... Uh, borrow money basically oh my god so i started building credit i think after undergrad uh -huh. which all i did was i got a credit card through my local bank it was only like a two thousand one thousand dollar limit a month which was mm -hmm. fine and all i did was that i just put netflix on it and that's it <laughs> yeah and holy cow people that <laughs> credit score saved me a ton of money when i had to move oh yeah so that's it definitely worked out in your favor for sure. Yeah, they waive so many fees when you're moving in somewhere. Like oh, oh yeah. No, no, it's it's crazy the way people will start bending over backwards for you when they're like, "Oh, you're bringing in 800 in here." Sorry, I didn't realize it was in the presence of royalty. Basically. <laughs> yeah, cuz I was like, "Okay, yeah, I have to pay this extra like 150 for like the startup of my electricity." Oh, now we'll waive it. We see your score. What? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Every utility I had to set up like it's a scam people, but at least it's something you could work in your favor. Yeah, it makes you feel like a celebrity. Actually, it kind of really did. Um, <laughs> as someone who tries to live glamorously like that all the time. <laughs> um, oh, what about for people who are like closer to their 30s like we are? All right. So this one, for the most part, the advice is still kind of the same. But the biggest difference is that a lot of people at this point are either generally moving towards serious relationships or already have them. And so if you are in a serious relationship and you are at a point where you are like cohabitating with somebody, um, especially if you're sharing an apartment, uh, definitely look at buying something. I know that's like, it sounds like an impossible task, but it is a lot easier with dual income, which is why I suggested it for people who are relationships versus single people. Um, it will basically when you do buy property, um, instead of paying somebody to live somewhere where you don't technically own anything, um, you can more or less make mortgage payments, which is basically where you borrow money from the bank and technically the house belongs to the bank until you pay it off. It's basically just a 30 year loan where you make payments on the loan that is in many cases, either similar or even less expensive than your rent, um, where you are building equity in something that you can eventually sell or that has value that can either increase or decrease in value. But either way, you have something physical that you can show for all the money that you've been spending. So that is often what is a lot of people's um, greatest asset uh, is their house. So I recommend if, you know, if it's something that is feasible for you.
Yeah, no, that is very, very true. Uh, I was looking into maybe not renting an apartment, and then I was like, you know what? No. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm lonely and single, so anyone out there that wants to hit me up, go for it. But, (laughs) uh, yeah, no, that's also sound advice. Okay, so something that I always like to ask people is, what inspired you to even go into this field? All right, so when I was younger, uh, one of my biggest heroes is my mom, so I wanted to follow her into the medical field. And that requires two big things. Uh, That requires you to be good at math and good at science. I was only good at one of those, and that was math. I was horrible at science. That is the only realm I've ever gotten such bad grades in. I got a D minus on like an exam before, and that was like the wildest thing to me because I've never seen a grade that low in my whole life. Um, And so it can't, we got to a point where it's just like, I had to choose a major. And originally I was going to go to school for pharmacy, but I actually, I'd like to pretend like I made this decision on my own, but it was more of an act of God, if you will. I had a scholarship to Hampton University for pharmacy and we missed one of the deadlines um, for like filing paperwork and stuff. And so then I was like, okay, I guess I'm not going there. And so I was waitlisted for William and Mary. And then I had gotten an acceptance letter from Virginia Tech. And so I just committed there and I was like, okay, I'm here kind of generally undecided. I was still thinking engineering maybe, but once again, it still requires me to be too good at science. So one of my friends at school at the time was telling me about this job that her brother had uh, at Red Bull where he got to play in like cool events and like fundraising stuff. And I was like, oh, that sounds cool. So she was following his track and then I kind of just went along with it. Uh, So we both double majored in accounting and finance, which... Um, neither of us ended up going into finance, uh, but it did give us enough credits through the school's program to sit for the CPA exam right after graduation. So thank you. She set me up. <laughs> I was about to say, did she succeed? But sounds like. <laughs> so have you actually planned a Red Bull party? Uh, not yet. I mean, at this point in my life, it might be more monster themed based on who I know and, you know, my friend's affinity for monster. You know how gamers are. I was also about to say, I was like, hold up. We know the same people. And they like to try and up one each other on parties, which is something we literally just went over. Don't try to do people. But if you're financially <laughs> able to, these people are like literally trying to up each other with like these parties and events and stuff. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's consistent. But, it, you know, at least it keeps me entertained. You know, that is true. When we get the invites and we do go. Yeah. yeah. Interesting to see how <laughs> investments happen. Uh, no, so yeah, act of God is probably the best way to describe how you ended up here. <laughs> um, by the way, go Hokies, I guess. Uh, oh, hell yeah, <laughs> nah. So, I work with Virginia Tech, by the way. Now, I don't know if I told you, I do their flag stuff now. So, oh, woo, yeah, there we go. Yeah, so if you're around there, well, this episode's premiering after that, so I'll be by there, Dr. Martin Luther King weekend, everyone. Hell so yeah. if you listen, you want to f- see me, hit me up. We'll try. Uh, but oh, the other part, the sitting for the CPA exam. Yeah. It, you have to have a certain amount of credits and it's beyond like a typical bachelor's. Yeah. 150 hours. Yeah. I had a friend that literally was like taking his CPA exams like a week after graduation because he knew he wanted to be an accountant and he just took a shit ton of like associate degree level random ass classes just to build credits over summer 
Yeah, no, it was a bunch of summer classes. And then that's why I graduated in the summer is because I uh, had one more class I needed to take that uh, my professor did not tell me that I needed to take. Uh, so I thought I was going to graduate in the spring. And then they were like, actually, no. So then I sat for this. <laughs> I took one class over the summer. And I mean, to be fair, summer semester was great. I loved it. But, you know, that made things a little difficult to get hired afterwards. But, you know, we did it. We're here. We made it happen. Yeah, I mean, hey, I graduated in winter, and I had to wait till fall again in order to go to grad school. Oh, man, that's, yeah, that's it a lot sucked. of time. <laughs> but, but honestly, I was excited. I'm like, wow, I graduated early. Let me tell you people. I'm not <laughs> saying don't graduate in winter if you can, but it was like one of the most depressing experiences I've ever seen. Mostly because while me and my four friends that were graduating in the winter, we were like, oh, my God, we're graduating early. Most of the people were graduating late and bitter. <laughs> and so you had like our four families like cheering at random parts of the place and we had the most random speeches and stuff someone got an honorary doctor for farming nuts in the middle east <laughs> like so i'm happy i graduated but people it was weird it just was not your typical experience and i had no clue oh yeah uh so yeah i understand weird graduations did you actually get to walk in spring uh, I did. Yeah, yeah, I did actually get to walk in spring. So that was nice. I was about to say, if I didn't get that. It's just like, why am I here? <laughs> to get your degree. <laughs> um, So I guess I could ask you this too, because I'm wondering now, which did you find more interesting, the financing or accounting degree? So I actually went in thinking I was going to work in finance. I was definitely gearing more towards finance because I found it more interesting. Uh, the problem was uh, I didn't get um, an internship while I was at school at any point. And so I pretty much had no finance related prospects when I got out. Apparently, I, I mean, I don't know if I was just doing it wrong, but it looks like it was just very difficult for me to get hired in finance. But I had plenty of offers coming for accounting. So I was like, I guess we're going with accounting, you know. And my assumption then was, you know, I can switch fields at any point. But then it was just like, oh, I'm still in accounting. Cool. So here we are, still an accountant. Woo! <laughs> um, yeah. So someone recently asked me this, aka Merman Jacks, everyone. He's episode two. And if you want to hear him ask me this, listen to episode 30, the one that's about me. <laughs> okay. And so I'm curious to now to begin to ask others this. Do you feel like you've had additional challenges personally or professionally being a POC? Uh as an adult, no, not really, but as a child, oh man. So uh, when I was going into fourth grade, uh, this was around, I wanna say 99 or 2000, uh, my mom and I were looking at private schools uh, for where you know I should continue my education. And for the most part, it was a pretty standard experience of interviewing at different schools, but there was one that we went to um, where I remember coming home um, and someone had left us a voicemail on our answering machine. And it was basically just like a long winded tirade of this dude, just like threatening my mom, like all the like horrible things that he would do to our family. If I were to go to the same school as his white child. And so like, he, he definitely hid no, you know, it pulled no punches. Like that dude was definitely clearly very racially motivated. Uh, and I mean, at the time I was very young, so I kind of didn't really know what was going on. I was just like, who is this weird guy? 
And then my mom kind of broke it down later in life. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's kind of wild. Because, you know, a lot of people are like, it depends on who you ask. But like a lot of people think that, you know, racism is mostly dead or like, you know, I mean, everyone knows it's like out there, but a lot of people think it's not that prominent. But like, that was like a wild thing for me to think like this was 2000. Like this was not that long ago. I mean, now it feels like a long time ago. I was like, yeah, it's 22 years now, but in our lifetime. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, to get racially harassed out of going to school, it's just like, wow, I'm, I don't, I don't want to say I am Ruby Bridges because I'm certainly not. Um, but you know, I, just, her her story doesn't seem so far fetched. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, perspectivizing. Um, no, I won't ask that because that's too personal. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm not above answering any questions here. All right, fine. Uh, did your mom like press charges or go after that? I actually have no idea because like I wanted to ask her about it. But I also didn't want to also kind of pry into something that might have felt like a little tragic, I guess. Um, I want to say no, because it, it was like, I want to say he called us from like a blocked number or something. Also, it was like, this was like a bona fide answering machine. So I'm not even sure if it like stored the information of like where the call came from. Oh, true. This is 2000. What am I thinking? Yeah. <laughs> what era am I thinking? Yeah. <laughs> uh... Yeah, no. I'm happy that you said that people think racism is basically a myth these days. Because what was I saying? It was like yesterday I had You Can't Stop the Beat in my head waking mm-hmm. up. And then I went to work because I wake up and go straight to work, everyone. And people are like, oh, how are you this morning? I was like, oh, pretending racism ended in 1962. <laughs> <playing> the <laughs> Through the power of dance. like I was about to say, yeah, that's real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no. Okay, but... Not only can you do accounting, but you're also like both sides of the dichotomy with your super artistic as well. And I want to highlight that too. Thank you. That is way more my wheelhouse than talking about <laughs> numbers and yeah. STEM and man math, as I call it. <laughs> Not that women can't do math, people. I just, <laughs> it's a quote. And I very much would prefer to have a guy do the math for me. Uh, <laughs> so I will happily let them do it. All right. So. You're an excellent photographer and editor. Like, yeah, feel free to drop your Insta now so people can go look you up. Thank you. Yeah, I can be found at, at Parmesan Cheese on all socials. That's P-A-R-M-A-J-O-N, like my name, and then Cheese. Oh, my God. I never realized that. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. There's plenty of time. <laughs> but. S- slow burn. No. I mean, so gooey, mel- slow, gooey, melty. Like cheese. <laughs> like uh, cheese. Okay, so what would you call your artistic style? Uh, So there's a very popular form of photography uh, right now where it's just like very over-processed. I mean, I I consider it over-processed. They might just call it processed in general, where it kind of just looks like mostly, like you can tell they started with a real picture of a real person, but it mostly just looks almost almost like a cartoon version of real life. And so I did think that look was cool, but at the same time, I didn't think uh, Instagram or social media really needed any more fake images. So it was just like, I kind of wanted to do a half step between the two where it's just like, I wanted it to be clear that this is still very real life, but I did want to take some artistic liberties to kind of enhance what's already in our reality. And so there are some things where it's like, you can tell there's a lot of like photo manipulation here where it's like, yes, 
she's not really shooting chain lightning out of her hands, but like it still looks kind of realistic. Yeah. Uh, okay. Here's how I would describe it, people, which is probably not anywhere near what you're describing because what you said <laughs> sounded right. And what I'm saying sounds like I don't know what I'm talking about once again, but <laughs> I would describe it as a futuristic sci fi slash, no, yeah, sci fi neon lighty aesthetic board. Yeah, that you no, used they, to see on Tumblr. I was about to say those are a lot of my influences. Um, uh, there's a lot of science fiction, futurism, and especially with uh, lighting, um, I got a lot of inspiration from. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. I think it's Caleb, Caleb, C A L O P. Um, he does a lot of light work and a lot of like photo manipulation based on like particle effects, and that's where I got a lot of my inspiration from originally. Um, I've kind of moved away from that a little bit as a style just because I, you know, it, it doesn't want to come off. I don't want to come off like too derivative. And also I kind of just want to branch out into other things, but that's definitely like my main primary inspiration. And I definitely don't shy away from it. Nope. And surrealism. Yeah. <laughs> that's the or, other word. But yeah. So, oh, that was the next question. Who inspired you other than Caleb? If we hope we're saying your name right. Uh, who was I feel like that was the biggest one. Um, another one is uh, Liquid Verve. Shout out to, I, I'm pretty sure the account is run by a woman. And then if it's not, I apologize. Um, but that's a lot of the original um, inspiration I was looking at. Where I thought, I like mind you, these are beautiful images, but they were they feel a little over processed for my taste. So I wanted to take like a half step between that and like just a raw image. So you know, there is some liberties taken but it's not super wild yeah very consistent um what equipment do you use all right so i have an absurd arsenal of just like colored lights of different shapes and sizes um if one day like my dream is to have you know like in uh in i guess like action movies dudes just have like racks of just like guns i want to have like racks of just like camera equipment um because I ha at this point, I have so much that I literally cannot keep them in my room. I have to keep them in a separate room. Um, so I have a bunch of different lights, a bunch of different stands, a bunch of different um, backdrops, things to set up. And then it's it's mostly lights. I'm not going to lie. It's mostly lights, lenses, cameras. Action. <laughs> Perfect. Um, what kind of software do you use? Uh, so I use a combination of Adobe Lightroom and Adobe Photoshop. Um, I use Photoshop for uh, any photo manipulation. So that usually is brought out to um, manipulating anything that is generally outside of like color and uh, visual. So it's mostly just like, I don't know, moving an object from one place to another, adding things, adding elements that weren't originally in the picture. Um, any physical adjustments to like, I don't know the way someone's hair is falling and stuff like that. And then I usually use Lightroom for color adjustments. Nice, but you're consistent. Adobe is the way. Unfortunately, I don't like, I, I wouldn't say I stand behind Adobe as a corporation, but I do stand behind their software because it frankly is the best in the business. Which I agree with entirely, that whole statement. Um, all right. Uh, how do you find models and subjects since it's not only you, you photograph. It's yeah, it's true. Um, I usually photograph my friends because 
they're easier and they generally also I like I know how to talk to them. Um, I, it might be hard to tell, but I do have a decent amount of social anxiety. So I don't like asking strangers or people via the Internet like, hi, I'm a man with a camera. Can I take pictures of you? Because, you know, there's that um, there, there's that uh, archetype of man with a camera, a.k.a. male photographer, where, you know, a guy will hit up women on the Internet and be like, hey, can I take pictures of you? And then the shoot idea is just hey, you're half naked in a bedroom. <laughs> and it's like, hmm, yeah, we don't want that. And I mean, and it's you not can't like- can't bring a friend. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it's always just like the worst case scenario. And it's not like, obviously I'm not that person, but I am very aware of that archetype. So it's like, I generally try not to approach, especially women uh, about photography, unless we have a previous rapport or have established a rapport of some sort. So they know I'm not just like creeping it up over here. Right. Okay. No, that does make sense. I have yet to be asked to model, but whatever. <laughs> um, so I've noticed a dichotomy in the world these days. People that are good with photography can't take a good selfie. People that are good at selfies can't take a good photo. It's true. I'm the latter. <laughs> Can you take a selfie? Uh, with a phone, certainly not. No, all my selfies are terrible. Um, with a camera, uh, technically, yes, because a lot of my photography is self-shot, um, although I will tell you right now that my best shots, especially from like a photography composition standpoint, are of other people because there's definitely a lot more freedom for you to get like angles and, uh, you know, an idea of what you're shooting that you simply can't get from standing like five feet away and, you know, pressing a button. Oh, that reminds me. If you ever need like action shots about shit in motion, that's where I excel. <laughs> All right. As uh, I've been told many a time, I've been asked because everyone knows I'm always down to get a photo done of me. I don't really care mm -hmm. what I look like, when I am. Take a photo <laughs> of me and just send it to me. I don't care. I'll post yeah. it. <laughs> I'll tag everyone. <laughs> but we've learned over the years that I am horrible at static photos. But if you need an action shot, oh, yeah, I can well, nail that. I was about to say, we'll add you to the roster. Woo. I have props, too. I have the flags. I have the rifles. I have the sabers. Oh. I have batons, and I could change flag colors to like neon stuff. I feel like Ooh. you need to do. Yeah, it. no, there's there's definitely some potential there. Well, oh, and the poles themselves. I have shiny poles. I have like black poles, hmm. and we could tape them <laughs> to be whatever you need. Hell yeah! Woo. Okay, so something I actually really didn't know until you filled out the form thingy is that you're into music production. Oh yeah, I love music production and the thing that is like both cool but also like an annoying thing that producers do is that like when you make music uh you tend to start appreciating parts of music that a lot of people like overlook so when it comes to music in general you know when you hear a like an act especially when it's one person people's mind goes to like like very very theoretically if you were to hear a Katy perry song and i know Katy perry's not someone who's really been in the spotlight for quite some time but this is just where my mind goes she's been working um, on idol that's why <laughs> you know people will hear a song and just be like oh my god katie sounds so good on this or like a lot of people's perception on how good music is is not necessarily based on the performance of the vocalist but rather how good the underlying like instrumentals are because I, that is often what makes or breaks like how good a song is and so you start noticing things like, oh yeah, you can really hear like, you know, the strings come in here, you can hear like the drums come in here, you know, I like that synth, you know, I like how this is working. And then that really starts shaping your own musical identity. And also you start 
looking at all the millions of names in the credits, like when someone releases music and you're like, oh, that's why I like this. Like, you know, the reason that some people just like the like later mid to later 2000s era of like pop music is because like a lot of it was just straight up Pharrell. Like Pharrell was that era, like Pharrell Timbaland's like there are certain names where it's just like, oh, yeah, like these producers shaped the sound of an entire like decade of music. No, that's entirely true because I do the same thing. There's this one person that I constantly am following their stuff and I cannot remember who they are right now. So I guess I'm not following them that great. But no, <laughs> you're right. Uh, the music industry, I'm not going to say is a liar or a scam, but is deceivingly few people. Oh, yeah, 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 it is. It's true. <laughs> okay, so how do you define music production? Uh, so I think of it as the composition or the composition of the instrumental components of music, um, that plus audio mixing, mastering, and pretty much just the general creation of music, uh, I guess feels like a more inclusive description than just being like a vocalist or someone who plays an instrument or something like that. So a lot, a lot of it just ends up being like someone who's more behind the scenes than the person who's like on stage. Are you able to sing? No. <laughs> I inherited my mom's very bad singing voice and my dad's marginally better singing voice, but still neither of them are uh, great singers. Yeah, I was gifted with the gift of musicality without the singing. <laughs> so I feel that. Um, Where was... Oh, God, so many things popping up. So many tabs opened in order to do this, people. That's real. Yeah. Oh, okay. So what kind of music do you produce? Uh, so I'd probably describe it as either alternative hip hop or just alternative pop. Uh, it's kind of hard to define. Well, I mean, not like hard to define in like it's genre bending, but rather it's just uh, the drums, drum patterns, drum samples, drum sounds are generally more hip hop inspired, but the melodies, harmonies, etc., are kind of more Sometimes pop inspired, sometimes literally just all over the place. There's a wide range of influences. Now, uh, alternative hip hop is actually a fascinating genre. Oh, yeah. Nah, big, big, big fan. Okay. So, who would you want to collaborate with? Realistically, unrealistically? Like, most unrealistically, uh, Sia, hands down. I don't think, I don't think or like her talent would work with anything I've ever made. Even if we made the shittiest song ever, it would be my favorite song. And I'd have it on repeat every day of the week for the rest of my life. Uh, yeah. She is also an amazing person who is deceivingly behind everything. Yeah. Yeah, actually. Yeah. Because she was writing music a long time before she was performing. it. Yeah. Which album is it? The one that's all rejected songs from other artists that she has. Uh, I actually don't remember off the top of my head, but that easily sounds like, something that i'd i'd have to expect from her cheap thrills whatever album cheap thrills was on every single song on that album was a rejected from another artist song oh wow <laughs> like cheap thrills itself like uh for yeah. those who don't remember it's like the hit the dance floor one hit the dance floor it's like Caribbean. that Sean was rihanna's Paul. yeah that actually does not surprise me at all um and that's the thing when you listen to it she's like yeah i'm gonna sing like the artist that it was supposed to be the song titanium uh, with her and David Guetta, I didn't actually know that was her until several years later. I actually did think I I did think it was Rihanna until several years later. <laughs> you think Rihanna has that type of power? <laughs> 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 w 
which I love Rihanna. Rihanna has so many hits that people think, like when people think of like the pop industry, I feel like people don't give Rihanna her credit. Because when you look at all the singles that have gotten massive of Rihanna's, you're like, oh, oh yeah, she's everywhere. It's a combination of her like having a period where she was like the busiest woman in the industry. And then every ne- like the stands just being like, all right, but where's the album, sis? What's happening? But honestly, <laughs> I want the album. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you know, a lot of a lot of people started sleeping on her because it's like, oh, she's not, you know, she's not working out here anymore. Like, what are we doing? She's not in these streets like the rest of them. Yeah. Just kidding. She's being inclusive and making Fenty. Yeah. <laughs> Which, uh, from what I've heard, for people that wear makeup, Fenty's great. I was about uh, to say, people love Fenty. And I like all her runway stuff, She or for her like line of lingerie she's been doing, mm-hmm. so, despite I mean, the controversies. She... But she apologized. Yeah, she's been busy, just not in music. Uh, much to our dismay. <laughs> so, okay, you said Sia. Anyone else you want to collab with? Uh, because I attribute a lot of my music taste to music that was popular in the 2000s, I do think it would be fun to work with Sean Paul. Um, once again, I, I don't, I don't think anything I made would really facilitate him, but once again, even if it's the shittiest song ever made, it's my favorite song now. I mean, (laughs) we all have those people. Yeah. I wish I could remember the guy I'm thinking of, but (laughs) (laughs) so annoyed. (laughs) <laughs> this person did like every little mix hit that I actually liked. So, oh, well, okay. And so that's who you want to collaborate with. What would like your dream work be your Opus Rex? That probably isn't the right one, but my Magnum Opus. Yes. Uh, it would definitely be like, just, it would be an album that features at least, uh, obviously Sia, Sean Paul, um, I would want a Lil Wayne feature on there. And I mean, by the time, if in a universe where I had enough time to make this album, I don't even know if Lil Wayne would even be relevant or if people would still care. I mean, he's, he's at the point where it's like, people still appreciate a feature from him. I don't really know if people still like listen to his music like that, like his specific solo work, but like a feature from him still means a lot. Um, I would definitely want to Tyler the Creator. Um, either a collaboration like production wise, or I would want him you know, a guest verse from him. Um, and then maybe to tie it out, I would want Sarah Barthel from Fantagram, like singing a hook on some song. Um, she does well. Wow. What a pull from every direction group. <laughs> yeah. You know, if, if, if I'm uh, making my, you know, my, my greatest hits, you know, I want to pull from all my inspirations. Half the fun of getting famous is just letting people know how important they are to you. You know, that is how I made this podcast. Just everyone's fascinating. So come on here and let me tell you how fascinating you are. Yeah, no, that's real. And prove that you can hold a two hour ish, maybe more episode. Oh, yeah. By the way, it's Camille, everyone. <laughs> K M I L L E. She was on the X Factor and has worked with Little Mix since Get Weird. Black Magic, Power, Rigaton. Uh, all those songs up until all the way through Confetti. Basically, all their albums she's worked on. Mm. So, what, what? I'm yes. not horrible at remembering. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I know photography and video production are two different things, but would you ever want to create a song and then shoot the video? Oh, 100%. Um, so, the reason I actually got into music production and photography, for the most part, is because... My original dream growing up was that I wanted to shoot music videos. Um, But obviously I 
music wise, uh, I, you know, it, everything is pretty much a permanent work in progress until it isn't. And then I just never really picked up a real aspiration for video. And I mean, in a world where I had picked up like a video camera instead of just a DSLR, you know, I might have I might have gone that way. But I think the biggest thing was just I didn't have any inspiration for video or much much source material to work with because it ultimately just me be me shooting a million videos of myself. And unless I was shooting music videos, it's like, what am I realistically going to be doing? It's not like I have, you know, skits lined up or anything, you know, for video content really lined up. No, I feel that exactly. I know I have a personality that can't carry a YouTube channel, but I don't have the dedication. <laughs> I don't have the ideas. That's why my TikTok is like very nichely known. Oh, yeah. And it's fine. I, I discovered a while ago I'm not exactly a personality that thrives on video. Definitely images, still images that I can put a lot of time and work into are definitely more of uh, <laughs> my my speed, brother. It's like how I can't take static photos. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need movement. Uh, yeah. So, okay, you've already described who you want to work with on the song. So pitch us what the dream song sounds like and the music video idea. So I have always had very, very sad uh, music videos resonate with me the most. So it would have to be a slower song, a more a more slower burn. Uh, this is the one that I would have Sarah Barthel on with me because for those who don't have any um, uh, deep lore understanding of Fantagram is that uh, I think around the release of their third album entitled Three, she lost her sister. So a lot of the album songs are just like, there's still like some jams on there, but a lot of it's just notably like darker and sadder than like their previous work. And so this would definitely be a slow burn, maybe not like explicitly sad, but it's like when you listen to it, you're like, damn, I don't know what these folks are talking about, but it sounds like they're going through it. But like, it's also still like low key, like, you know, something you can belt out in the car, maybe especially when it's like raining out. So, you know, you get, you get, you get real sad endorphin release there. Um, the music video would be somebody in a hospital room um, near somebody who is, it's unclear who this person is or like why they're there. And then it, I, it's one of those things where it's like the end is a big reveal. And then you might be asking yourself, what is the big reveal? And you're like, I don't know. I'd have to give it more time <laughs> to figure that out, but just know, like I, I know how it ends. I just don't know what it looks like. Fair. So what you're saying is you don't need a choreographer. Got it. Probably uh, not. You know, yeah. we, we might get a Corey, you know, some choreo uh, for, for the more hype songs, but no, definitely not for the, for the hype slow burn. The hype slow burn. What a nice tag. <laughs> All right. So if you want to ask more questions to Jonathan, hit us up at the shape of a star podcast at gmail.com or at the shape of a star podcast on Instagram and then drop the podcast word for Twitter because we couldn't fit it in the title. <laughs> It was just podcast, no ST. <laughs> so we just dropped it entirely. It's all the same logo. It's all linked to each other. Check, check out the link tree. It's everywhere. And if you don't know where it is, message me. I'll send it to you, even though it's in the bio. Whatever. <laughs> Ask more questions, because I love questions like this, because I haven't had a video person on yet. Oh, wow. So I've had music people on, but like so people that know music videos, I think music videos are like some of the most fascinating oh, yeah. no, it's short a, form content. It's a dying medium. Or well, I mean, I I mean I feel like a lot of people say that. I don't know how true that actually is. Maybe I've just gotten older and I'm less susceptible to music videos or like by 
the artists that I love aren't releasing music videos like that. And the culture behind music videos isn't there the same way it was like earlier, uh, especially, you know, when MTV was still actually airing music videos. Right. Um, and I mean, now they're all on YouTube, but it's like, you know, they're not as the, I guess the draw isn't there. So it's like, if your favorite artist releases a music video, like obviously you're going to see it, you're a fan, but it's like, people don't really stumble upon it the way they used to. Exactly. Ugh dirty all those fun party like just like writhing <laughs> around videos those are my jam and still my jam today oh but yeah. <laughs> no everyone has their own speed do what you got to do people find happiness as you need to as long as no one's getting hurt okay so you're also an avid lifter it's true uh i lift about five days a week as long as i can get out of bed <laughs> um i've been i guess Technically lifting since my freshman year in college, because that's when I finally had unrestricted access to a gym. Um, but I didn't really get like a consistent grip on what I was doing probably until substantially later. Um, and I mean, a lot of my, I, it's, it, you would never know. And I mean, I say this because a lot of people are baffled by this, but I was like a very like comically skinny, like wet rat kind of kid in high school. Um, bad haircut, braces, and very, very, very skinny. And then that changed when I went to college because A, um, I had a very, very generous meal plan and B, like I said, unrestricted access to a gym. Um, and so that kind of changed things for me a bit. And I, you know, I fell in love with the process. I fell in love with the results and it's like, what's not to like? And now it's a part of me where the only downside is that it feels like I am doing absolutely nothing with my life if I don't go. <laughs> yeah, that is what it actually feels like. When I was like super fit, I'd be like, wow, the week is wasted because I didn't go one extra time. Basically. Yeah. And then I had a radical move and then I never went back. Uh, yeah. <laughs> trying. I'm trying. <laughs> Change is hard. <laughs> but, okay, so what are your records that you're proud of? Um. So I am what is known as an aesthetic lifter. So for the most part, I'm not necessarily in there to do numbers. I'm well, I mean, obviously, you know, we like to see progress, but for the most part, I am lifting because I like the way it makes me look. So pretty much all my goals, all my records are all related to my physical appearance. Um, so my records, uh, I guess, I still don't know if I have a record for what I'm looking for as far as like, lowest body fat percentage but i can tell you my highest weight because it for me it was very funny because i did put on a bunch of weight in order to bulk up and that was the most i'd ever weighed and it was like i kind of did it very sloppily too so it's like i didn't really look like like a buff guy i kind of just looked like a slab who was also kind of strong um so i think the most i ever weighed was like maybe i think at the highest like 225 and for you know those playing at home i am about six feet so if you can just imagine like a guy who is like looks like exactly like a rectangle and is 225 pounds and six feet that's what i look like yeah and the fact that that's how much you've weighed and six feet uh yeah that means you were a skinny pole <laughs> <laughs> back in the day which based on your personality i could believe i know we don't believe in stereotypes but oh yeah i believe in you I believe in your word. <laughs> um, and I'm here to promote that too. All right. Uh, but yeah, so your goals are aesthetic. So I guess you kind of answered that unless you have other goals with your athletic -ism. 
Yeah, the goal, I think the goal right now is um, I want to see if I can get to 10% body fat because I think that's like the rough area before if you start getting lower, that's when you start like actually having to sacrifice like how you live your life. And then yeah. if you if you get too low, then it's like, okay, bro, relax. Like your body does need some essential fat here and there. But I since agree. I'm Since I'm not doing it for like a competition or anything, I'm just doing it for my own pure aesthetic reasons. There is like definitely a lower limit that I am willing to hit because I don't, I don't want to look like one of those like uh like science class like muscle like diagrams or anything like that. I kind of just wanna I wanna look like somebody when you look at me, it's like, oh yeah, he's like chiseled or whatever. But like we don't want to go too much further than that. I don't want to look like a roid head or like, you know, a guy who literally has no body fat on him because then you kind of just look like a muscular skeleton. And for me, that's kind of horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As someone into the aesthetic of a man, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, e wow, why am I saying yeah so much? Whatever. Okay, so, wow, this isn't any better with filler words. All right. So you're known as a geek in my world. I mean, you're known in my world because you're a geek, and that's how everyone introduced each other. And if you weren't down with the geekiness, you wouldn't be around, basically. It's true. Yeah. So what geekdoms are you a part of? Uh, the biggest one is probably Scott Pilgrim. Um, I saw the movie when I was in, I think I was in high school. I can't remember if I was senior year of high school or um, or freshman year of college. But either way, I saw the movie and I loved it because it was just like, wow, this is every part of my personality in one film. It's like it's got alternative music like the uh, the soundtrack for the movie is written by like uh metric uh beck uh broken social scene and probably some other people i'm forgetting like there's a lot of good music in there and it's like also it's video games also it's comic books also it's just like also it's a rom-com my favorite film is unironically a romantic comedy um so there's just like a lot of things in one place and then after that naturally i started reading the books and i love those um once again something you can't see but uh, I have all of them on my bookshelf. Um, and then I played the games and it's just kind of like this all encompassing thing where it's just like, yeah, no, I'm into it, big into it. And actually uh, one of the cos one of the earlier cosplays that I did was I was uh, Todd Ingram, uh, Ramona's third evil ex-boyfriend. Uh, I don't remember which con that was, I think it was MAGFest maybe. Um, but yeah, that was one of the first ones that I really did and like put all myself into, I guess. One of that white outfits I've seen you in. Yeah, no, that one, that yeah, that one makes sense. Uh, that's all white, so. No, yeah, <laughs> fun fact, people. I've actually never seen Scott Pilgrim. So I recommend if you. Everyone does, because <laughs> our mutual friend that we both talk about, yeah, that person also says like you should. Apparently, I would like it. Yeah, you know, it, I have hope for you. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. All right, so Scott Pilgrim. Obviously, you cosplay. What other geeky things? Um, at this point, I, I'm, I don't really know if like these things are really like geek dumb terror. I mean, I definitely geek out over these things, but like, I don't know, if, like, if you would consider like the community fan base like a geek dumb or like, I pretty much get into like a lot of shows. So like, I do. Uh, follow a lot of like the community fan base. I would say I'm highly in that. I'd say I'm highly in like the Bojack Horseman fan base. Um, a lot of 
shows I'd say that I've enjoyed. I end up interacting with the fan base and, you know, making friends in there, talking to people. No, TV fandoms are some of the best places to be. Yeah. Great <laughs> folks. <laughs> ship posting groups on Facebook. <laughs> Wonderful places. <laughs> and I've gotten lucky that none of my favorite shows seem to have produced any uh, toxic cultures for the most part. You know, fair. Very, <laughs> very fair. All right. So you also play video games. It's true. What's your favorite video games? Uh, so my favorite video game of all time is Bioshock. Um, and the first one? Yeah, the first one. I mean, I love the series as a whole, but the first one is what I think really saddled me up for what I didn't think would be a game that I'd enjoy. Because when I first played it, it scared the shit out of me. It was like a very like scary-ish game. Um, it wasn't, I, you know, I wouldn't call it a horror game, but it definitely had like horror elements because, you know, you're creeping around like a dimly lit, like overrun uh, underwater city. And so a lot of that was just like, oh, this is new and also kind of horrifying because like, the games I was playing at the time were definitely more like in your face kind of stuff like Call of Duty, Halo, Gears of War. So like that was like a big change for me, a little more atmospheric tension. Um, one of my favorite video games that I've played recently and also is probably in my top three is uh, Wasteland 3, which I consider to be a absolute masterpiece. Uh, it's an isometric RPG uh, that takes place in post-apocalyptic Colorado. And I just think the script is fantastic. The gameplay is fantastic. Uh, can I recommend that game enough? And then uh, one of my other favorites, uh, I feel like my gaming experience is mostly kind of peaked in like probably when I was in high school. And I mean, maybe that's, I don't know if that says more about me or games, but uh, Fallout New Vegas, big, big. I mean, I was Fallout 3 and Fallout New Vegas were huge, but I think Fallout New Vegas was the one that really did it for me. Um before that, I wasn't really, you know, I liked RPGs conceptually, but like I hadn't really like gotten into one that gave me as much freedom to like actually role play. And that's when I was like, oh, so this is what role playing feels like. I like this. Oh, look at that. Knowing your roots and how to express yourself. Uh, concept we stand here. <laughs> also, also, I just realized it's 841 at night, everyone, and it's still sunny. Oh, yeah, no, it's, it's pretty bright out. <laughs> We've officially hit summer. But, okay, so, because you're into RPGs and you mentioned it anyway, if you were an RPG archetype, what kind of character would you be? So, when I do play RPGs, I love being, like, very, like, sneaky, stealthy people. I like picking locks. Uh, and especially in Fallout, um, you can do the reverse pickpocket, which many people do, where you can sneak up behind someone and put a live grenade in their pocket. <laughs> Um, and so, I mean, you know, would I do that in real life if, you know, I was an RPG character? That's, you know, that's, that's a conversation for another time, but, you know, sneaking around is fun. Going around undetected is fun. Picking locks, stealing things. Big fan. All right. And then what kind of character would you make me? Oh man. I feel like I, I, it really depends on, I guess, which RPG canon we're in, but I feel like you are definitely someone who is into whatever the game's equivalent of like a magic user is. Like, I can't imagine a universe where you wouldn't be doing magic or like some kind of like, it's either like magic if we're in like, I don't know, medieval or like Final Fantasy. But like, if we're in like Mass Effect or something, you're definitely like a biotic who can like 
you know, lift people into the air and like other stuff. So either you've got like futuristic tech that does like some kind of equivalent of like tech magic, or you do like straight up magic. Woo. What a, <laughs> the best answer. <laughs> no, it's true. Uh, that's me. Uh, <laughs> okay. So geekdoms you've been a part of, we already mentioned you cosplay. So who have you cosplayed? <laughs> All right. So as previously mentioned, uh, Todd Ingram from Scott Pilgrim was a fun one. Uh, I did a mashup of Zarya from Overwatch and um, uh, Turbo Brojock from um, Daybreak. Um, and somewhat obscure, uh, canceled too soon uh, Netflix zombie survival show. High recommends for anyone who's listening. Uh, I like that show a lot. And also a very re uh, well-received... Um, community uh one that i partook in because uh when i took those pictures uh as zarya brojock i posted them in both the overwatch subreddit and the daybreak subreddit and i was overwhelmed at how much positive reception it got because i had wasn't aware this was like a show anybody had really watched and like people came out of the woodwork to talk about it to the point where even someone who had worked on the production and was telling us like firsthand experience about like what it was like being on set when they had gotten word that netflix canceled the show and like the people were applying in the comments being like, oh my God, that's terrible. And I'm like, I'm there with them, but it's just like, oh wow. I didn't realize all these people were just like in plain sight. Um, another fun one that I did was uh, Wilfred from the show Wilfred. Uh, for those who don't know, Wilfred is an anthropomorphic dog um, who can only be seen by his friend, Ryan. And so I do just straight up have like a dog suit. Who's played by Elijah Wood, right? Correct. Yeah, Frodo. For those who don't know, <laughs> uh, that show's great. I was BoJack Horseman from BoJack Horseman. Um, I probably I do want to redo that one because I did that one very earlier on, actually while I was still in college. So I don't have great pictures of it, and so I would like to redo that again so I I can get better pictures of it. Um, for those who have either read the manga, read the book, or seen the movie Battle Royale, um, I have on several occasions dressed up as uh, one of the students from Battle Royale, um, where it's pretty much just me wearing the student uniform and then just picking a random thing that may or may not be interpreted as a weapon from my house. And so those are some of my favorites so far. A tambourine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. That'll work. Okay, so what's a dream cosplay that you want to do? Or multiple? Um, you don't have to say just one. Yeah, I was about to say, uh, in a perfect world, I'd like to go through and do a lot of the characters from Overwatch. One that I do want to do is Sombra, because when I first started playing, I was a Sombra main. And so I love Sombra conceptually. Um, I was very close to buying like a cosplay replica of her gun and then just like a, a glove that like kind of had digital LED implants that made it look like the little hacking animations. And so I thought that would be fun. Um, technically, nothing is currently stopping me other than just like a backlog of other ideas. But that I think that's probably my biggest dream one because I feel like I relate to that the most. Would you gender bend Sombra or would you just like commit? Um, I would gender bend Sombra. What I wouldn't gender bend for a uh, for for a uh, cosplay is Zero Suit Samus because I just think that would be fun. To be fair, Zero Suit Samus is very androgynous. It's a, <laughs> it would be fun. Yeah. Uh, no, there's no fear in gender bending here. I gender bend Morgan from Dragon Age, so oh, hell yeah, and that's the one everyone knows me for. Which, to be <laughs> fair, I don't cosplay often, but yeah. <laughs> that outfit people are like instantly they knew who I was, my hair just matched it, it was easy. 
Oh yeah, all you gotta do is kill a cosplay one time, and that's who you are forever. Which is fine. That outfit's comfy as crap. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Where is? Oh, the last one is. So you and I were a cosplay duo. Who we be in? Ice climbers. Wow. Which one's which? <laughs> that's a good question. Actually, I didn't. Even, I didn't think of that. Um, I was about to say we could honestly just flip a coin. <laughs> Either way, as long as as long as we're like running around a con like with a uh, with a rope between us and you know hitting things with our mallets. Okay. <laughs> I mean, we could also just hardly quit it and just like divide straight down. Also like, true. Pick one side, pick blue. And we're yeah, just yeah. Both. So from like different angles, yeah, we could just alternate. Oh, we could. I didn't even think of that. See, that's <laughs> why you do photography. <laughs> You're thinking of the angles. <laughs> I'm thinking of movement. So yeah. All right, the next category of questioning is stuff that I couldn't figure out a topic name for. So we're just going to call it Chatty Fun Facts. Works for me. Yeah. So you said you're into wings. Love wings. Okay, where are the best ones in your opinion? So um, it really kind of comes down to what you're specifically looking for. As far as like sauced wings, uh, I am partial to Buffalo Wing Factory. And I know it's a chain, but it is convenient for me and if i remember correctly i think it's them who has the suicide ranch which is my favorite flavor because it's hot but it's also like creamy um when it comes to just fried wings um velocity wings is pretty good they have uh different dips different sauces that work well but ultimately their wings are fried and also um just uh bbq chicken and beer has great just fried wings that are good on their own the uh golden i think it's like golden crispy or something like that uh, just light, flaky, and especially for the American taste palette, it's a little bit different because it's fried in, I want to say, olive oil, if I remember correctly. Fantastic stuff. See, people, he knows his chicken. <laughs> uh, so, boneless or bone-in? Uh, so, I personally prefer bone-in, and I feel like that is the opinion you need to have if you don't want to get killed on the internet. Uh, boneless is fine. I don't have beef against boneless, especially, like, I do think it's just easier to eat, but you know, if I want, when I am having like the, I need wings experience, I gotta, I gotta have it off the bone. Yeah. Uh, I'm part of the boneless trend and then people realize that I'm not really in the wings anyway. So you yeah, know I was about to say, may, may your resolve be strong because the people will come hunting for you. Let them hunt. It's fine. <laughs> I'm probably eating a wrap anyway. <laughs> when I go to the wing places, I'm like, oh, there's a wrap? I'll have that. <laughs> or a burger? Nah. So, okay, you said that. You said the flavors you like. That was my other question. I forgot to write down flavors. Ah. No, wings. I love how so many people are in the wings, and it really does bring people together in the oddest ways. Oh, yeah. No, it's fantastic. Uh, so, uh, between that and, like, oysters, like, uh, I, I have, like, a soul sect of my uh, friend group that's just, like, dedicated to getting oysters. And I'm like, I love this. And a part of me wants to, like, do the same for wings. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't know if my wallet can, like, afford this. I know <laughs> the people in your friend group in the wings, so. <laughs> and I'm that way about all seafood. I'm that way with wontons and shrimp. Hmm. Like, hunt me down for shrimp. Like, let's go. Yeah. No, big, big seafood guy. Yeah. Uh, okay, you also say you're super into brunch. Big, big fan. Um, I like breakfast foods. Big into breakfast foods. I also like, especially when it comes to, like, more unconventional offerings. Um, I, for the life of me, cannot remember the name of the place. But there is, like, a 
you know, a, a Spanish, like a Spanish like oriented brunch place that basically serves like a Mexican breakfast hot dog kind of situation. And I'm like, that was like my favorite thing. And so I love that. I love the idea of drinking at uh, breakfast because I am a morning person. So it's like, as I get older, the idea of getting hammered on like a Saturday night becomes less and less appealing. But it's like, if I'm already going to be up in the morning, it's like, while my brain is still very active, while my body is still very active, you want to get hammered and like be in the sunlight and maybe do a fun activity like I'm here for it. Aw, so wholesome. Also, <laughs> shout out to us morning people. Hell yeah. We're a rare breed. <laughs> okay, no, I'm glad you explained why you like brunch too, because I hate brunch, but I also don't like breakfast food. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that, that might be a huge part of it. <laughs> yeah, but hey, look, food is food. I'll happily go, but... Oh, yeah, no, at the end of the day, it's all great to some degree. Yeah, I'm a fan of early dinner, <laughs> personally, but... No, no yeah. So you've flown a helicopter. It's true. A Robinson R-22. Um, I was given the opportunity because my mom won an experience day in a raffle where uh, basically they teach you how to fly a helicopter. And so what I was expecting was they were going to just kind of show me how everything works while giving me like a helicopter tour. And then that'd be that. What ended up happening is it was that. But also they're like, OK, now it's your turn to fly the, and that, fly the helicopter. And I was like wow okay that's a lot of pressure and i mean fortunately like they have a million fail safes so i couldn't have just like you know commandeered the thing and like crashed into the ground or some shit but it was still it's it is very surprising how sensitive they are it's one of those things especially like in action movies where it's just like someone's commanding an aircraft and it's just like they're just like jamming things in every direction and like slamming buttons and it's like in real life like that kind of uh, that kind of uh, force on any kind of controls could easily just flip the thing over. The yoke. <laughs> so it's been it was probably one of the more terrifying things I had ever done, just because it felt like a lot of pressure at something I had literally just learned. And they, you know, they gave me the rundown on what it'd be like to get like my license to fly a helicopter and everything. And ultimately, for me, it sounded like this is. This definitely sounds like a more interesting hobby for an older version of me, but I feel like I just have too much going on right now to like do 200 hours in helicopter flight school. 200 hours isn't that much. It isn't in the grand scheme of things, but it is when you are just a generally busy person and also a very frequently tired person. No, I get that. It's morning <laughs> people, but <laughs> I expected it to be way more. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it, it is pretty accessible. The problem is that it is one of those like rich people hobbies because it's like, Yes, you now know how to fly a helicopter. Now you have to find a helicopter to fly. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is a bunch of people thing. But it's also handy if we're ever stuck on a deserted island. Oh, yeah. Now, my, my mom jokes about that being my uh, big skill offering to for uh, the apocalypse. And I'm like, all right. I mean, once again, that still brings about the idea that we have to find a helicopter. But I'm Not here. only that, like you had how many hours? Like, uh? <laughs> yeah so it's like all right i guess i'm more marginally more knowledgeable than everyone else but i mean that doesn't mean i'm getting us anywhere safely you know i say that all the time to people i'm like just let me die i'm holding you <laughs> oh, back yeah. yeah no i'm 100 percent not surviving like any kind of apocalypse i know i may look like someone who might be like a good hunter gatherer but bro i was born with eczema and asthma like if i was born out in nature <laughs> I, I would have died immediately <laughs> You know, fun fact, I've done lots of, like, random, like, scenarios that people, like, investigate your life for stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And it turns out my biggest detriment is I sleep too deeply. 
that I, uh, that could be me. And I also sleep too often and too easily. So it's like, I could easily fall asleep while I'm in imminent danger. And a predator would certainly just snatch me up. Yeah. And then it proved true because I was at college one day and I had the top bunk and they were trying to adjust the bottom bunk and they collapsed my bunk. <laughs> I was asleep the whole time. <laughs> they told me the next morning this happened. I was like, did it? Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, go me. Deep sleeper. It's not <laughs> helpful. So, uh, people may envy it, but like in the grand scheme of things, I would have died. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you've also skydived. I have, which ironically is was less intimidating than attempting to fly a helicopter. And I feel that is largely because I, when you do do it your first time, they do highly, highly, highly recommend and maybe even require that you do it tandem with someone who has done it before. And so I was in the skydiving club at Tech, which is also, frankly, a rich person activity, because I think it was like 175 for our first jump. And for someone who didn't have a job, like that's a lot of money to just that be is. like, yeah, like, mind you, this is like something that dudes were doing like routinely. So it's like, this is a lot of money for something that people want me to like expect me to do often. And so I just did it once for the story. And so I could be in the club and party with them. Um, and so that was fun. Uh, very exhilarating adrenaline literally for the next 30 minutes. Like my body was just in fight or flight mode for, you know, I'd just be sitting still. I'd be ordering a coffee. I'd be drinking water at the water fountain afterwards. And my body's like, all right, it's going to happen. It's going down. You know, we have to defend ourselves. Um, I won't be a good hunter gatherer Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) over here. But it was fun. Um, I have no need to do it again because I don't know if my heart could take it, especially the older you get, you know. But it is fun to do at least once. You know, I thought you were going to have a different answer for why it was easier. Because to me, it's like, cool, you jump, it's done. <laughs> yeah, Helicopter, I mean, constant control. Yeah, there's that too. It's like, yeah, you can only jump once per jump. So it's like, once you're out of the plane, it's like, all right. We're, we're in it now it's happening <laughs> and the person behind is gonna actually someone i know did jump their first time and because it is like a lot of people you do have to jump the first time with someone yeah and they passed out as soon as they jumped <laughs> that that is what i was afraid would happen to me because obviously your body just immediately goes into panic mode because you are doing something where normally your body's like preparing for death <laughs> so but i mean that's the thrill of it i can't imagine <laughs> <laughs> Same thing with the, the people that do like the hang glider things where they oh, jump yeah. off the cliff. Hang gliders, uh, bungee jumping, I, those are ones that I stray away from because I'm like, I whatever it takes to do this, I don't have it. <laughs> and yet you skydived. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, that was a bit of a peer pressure thing. I Basically, we lived in an apartment and the dudes above us like would routinely have parties on Wednesdays. And then we went up and we're like, what's this all about? And they're like, yeah, this is for the skydiving club. And then we were like, can we join? And they were like, yeah. And so we joined. And then, I mean, we only jumped one time, but it was fun. How long did they keep you around after you jumped the once? Well, I mean, we were their neighbors and uh, also we paid dues. So, I mean, we, we were in there as long as the money was still there. Oh, okay. And dues were actually less than it cost to jump. So I was like, yes, I will. I will certainly pony up for this. This means I can party with people I like every wow. Wednesday. <laughs> Wednesday. That's such a college thing. <laughs> yeah, basically. I was about to say, imagining that now, it's just like, Jesus Christ, what are, what are we doing here? We're having a podcast on a Wednesday night instead. <laughs> yeah. Different kind of party. <laughs> oh, thanks. Glad it's <laughs> that exciting for you. Okay, so basically you've done it all. 
you have a list of hobbies on left brain, light, right brain, thrill seeking, physical danger, and thrills. What's next? What is next? Uh, so I've definitely done some of the more thrilling parts of my life. I think I still have like a couple unresolved things, but they all kind of start reaching into like rich person activities. So it's like, I want to drive a supercar. I want to own like a supercar. <laughs> but I mean, these are things that like, you know, who's to say if that ever actually happens. Um, and then also I have like the more controlled side of me that's like, I'd like to own a house one day. So, I mean, I think that's like on a lot of people's like big long-term plans where it's like, yes, I'd like to own property. That sounds like a cool thing to do. Um, I'd also like to travel more. Um, I do want to um, actually go to Toronto, um, ideally to celebrate my 30th birthday. Um, it probably won't be within like a reasonable amount of time for my 30th birthday, just because of how my life is. Fair. But I want to go so I can see all the filming locations for Scott Pilgrim. Um, oh. When I was in LA for a music festival, or I guess more accurately, when I was in South Beach for a music festival, I went to West Covina to see a bunch of filming locations for a Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. And so now it's just kind of been things on my to-do list where it's like, yeah, I think it's fun to see filming locations for like TV shows I enjoy. I forgot you watched Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Yeah, no, one of my, actually a couple of my friends were obsessed with it. So they like pushed me into watching it. And I was like, oh, Was okay, it the friends yeah. that I showed it to? <laughs> Probably no, actually no. Okay, cool. <laughs> No, I've been a stand of the show since season one. That's the, one yeah. of the shit posting groups I'm in nonstop. The blue posting, yes. like <laughs> blam posting. That's the good one. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, while I was like taking my little bathroom break, my friend was like, I just finally got a doctor to recognize that I am so young to have all this chronic pain. And she was the first to acknowledge it. And now she's scheduled uh, x-rays and I might be officially diagnosed with arthritis and we could finally treat it. And I was just like, listen to this damn song finally. <laughs> <laughs> and then watch the damn show. Yeah. <laughs> and you'll understand that you're not alone. You're yeah. not special. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it really is one of my favorite TV shows of all time. I could talk about Crazy Ex-Girlfriend forever. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Actually, I don't want to ask you that yet because that's later. So, okay. So, how can others become very well-rounded like you? Uh, honestly, just buy into your interests. Like, wholeheartedly dive in headfirst. Um, I ended up being pretty well-rounded because I basically just ran exercises in my head of just not saying no to things. So, there, it, I mean, you know exercise that with caution like obviously say no to things that are going to very knowingly put your life in danger or that like you are 100 under no circumstances want to do but definitely be open to new experiences because i i only did like half of these things because i knew people that were into these things and they were like willing to share them with me and so i was willing to be open to the experience of having them shared with me and so it you know in a way i'm kind of just like a little mosaic of other people's experiences and i think that's made me a more interesting person hopefully well, interesting enough to carry an episode, so. <laughs> Works for me. Oh, wait, I should ask you this. Where did you go see in West Covina? Um, so I saw the um, the sports bar um, that is actually um, part of a children's, uh, like, baseball stadium. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I saw a bunch of, like, different signs in West Covina. Um, what else did I see? Uh, I feel like there was a couple other very big things that I saw. 
because uh, I, I took a bunch of pictures and basically tagged my friend in them, but I don't remember what they are off the dome. I think a lot of them are mostly just like backdrops and like uh, things you see in like transition shots and stuff like that. But I think the bar was the biggest one. Yeah, no, the bar is what they always say too. Because when they went and did research for the show, I watch a lot of interviews. That's yeah, what yeah. inspired the show because I like interviews. But like they were always talking about, like, can you believe there's a bar attached to this baseball for kids? Yeah, no, it was wild too. I felt like a creep because I was like, I'm here to take pictures in this bar, and people are there like with their children, and, and I'm like, I promise, I'm just taking pictures of the bar. <laughs> I'm just. I'm here sure to see they the get it a lot more now. Honestly, yeah, I I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's so exciting. You made the pilgrimage to West Covina. <laughs> I was happy enough to see the sign for West Covina when I went to LA. Yeah, no, it was it was fun. I was like, oh, wow. And I mean, I, obviously, I kept singing the song to myself. Oh. <laughs> so many things. Okay, so uh, any other secret things that you've done? Hmm. You know, it's kind of wild because like when you try to think of like secrets, I, I have gotten to a point in my life where it's like, I don't have that many secrets. So it, I feel like it's one of those things where it's like, if someone asked me about something, I would tell them, but it's kind of hard to like recall something that like most people don't know about me, you know? Mm -hmm. I feel that. That's been me forever. That's real. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well world there endeth the main question portion we got through all the fan questions of finance we got through my questions of prying into your life <laughs> so what does that mean it's commercial time okay so geek therapeutics wants you to feel like the superhero who defeated the villain in your favorite comic book to imagine what it's like to be in an anime character's shoes feel proud during the instant you raised your arms in victory after conquering in dungeons and dragons quest and cherish the moment you hugged your teammates after winning that esports tournament. They want you to use geek culture and its artifacts, such as video games, anime, fan fiction, comic books, pop culture, esports, and tabletop RPGs to unlock the best version of yourself and others. Approved by the APA, ACE, NBCC, and basically every mental health organization you can think of at this rate. All approved for their trainings and certifications for PD, CE hours. Check them out at geektherapeutics.com and use the special link in the description to subscribe to their awesome content and begin to learn how to mix the wonder of fun with bettering humanity. Whew. That was the first time I got through it without flubbing people. Wow. Nailed 50 it. episodes. <laughs> <laughs> and I did it finally. All right. So, Jonathan, are you ready for the rapid fire questions? Born ready. Let's get it. Okay. Well, let's see if they're rapid. They never are. It's okay. <laughs> All right, first up is, what are your chosen coping skills? Uh, honestly, it's generally lifting weights or playing video games. Uh, those those usually uh, get me through rough periods. And I think, honestly, exercise is a very good mood stabilizer for me. Uh, it's when I'm not exercising where things kind of go off the rails. Fair. <laughs> very fair and a common answer for those who do exercise. <laughs> Uh, team Edward or Jacob? Uh, I have to go Team Edward, you know, especially because like during the time I was definitely like a much slimmer, like slender guy. So it's like, you know, the, the, the slim boys needed representation up there. <laughs> I mean, yes. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> uh, what direction should you cut your sandwich in? Uh, I think I'd have to go diagonal at this point. Okay. Um, 
I it it feels more like the artistic choice. They're you know symmetry is safe if you were to cut it just like uh, I guess vertically, but you know it's it's a little basic. You know with the fans want a little bit more. They want more artistic differences. Yeah, we see Instagram posts. <laughs> we see cafes trying coffee art. I yeah, you know the fans want that. So what directions should you fold a napkin in? I'm also going to go diagonal on this one. This one obviously has symmetry in pretty much any uh, direction unless you're doing some like napkin art, but I feel like that's a whole different answer entirely. Napkin art's actually super fun, I've learned. <laughs> yeah, and it looks cool, and it impresses your dinner guests. <laughs> <laughs> I do you know, for, for those who have dinner guests. <laughs> yeah. Actually, there was a thing I saw online where it was a bunch of friends and they had like a they made a web series where they just each hosted and they mm -hmm. read each other. And oh. they had to have like three courses, entertainment, ambiance, and like some other random bullshit. Oh wow. <laughs> and I was <laughs> like, like, wow. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, eh, well, I'd lose in the cooking, but who knows? Yeah, I was about to say otherwise, you know, I'd like to think I could put my hosting skills to the test. Right. Uh okay. What gift would you want to get from a fairy? Oh, I, I think it would have to be like a superpower. Um, assuming that's, that's within the rules of this question. Um, and it would have to be, it would be flight. No, it would be teleportation. Actually. I lied. You're not scared of heights. Uh, <laughs> that's another thing we just learned. Uh, left or right Twix. I think it's got to be right. Right is my dominant hand. And so I'm imagining myself just pull. Actually, yeah, 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 yeah. We're opening up the package and it's I'm tearing down the right side and I just reach in there and grab the first one. It's the right side. What's a trend that went too far? Uh, I, I'd really like to hark back to the uh, like when Pokemon Go is huge and people were like walking off cliffs and shit. They were <laughs> yeah yeah people were people were like injuring themselves pretty pretty terribly playing pokemon go i mean obviously you know i don't blame the game for that but it is like there was a point where i'm like all right you guys need to relax you guys are taking this game a little too seriously like don't go into that you know that place in the zoo that says like do not enter you know just because you saw snorlax over there funny uh, not funny fact fun fact the, for only, uh, the only place i saw a snorlax was at my grandparents cemetery yo that is wild <laughs> but yeah that was that was both the beauty and the bizarreness of pokemon go is it would take you to a lot of places where you're like other i would really have no other obligation to come to this place right yeah when i opened pokey go as we were leaving i was like oh okay not <laughs> that. didn't expect this today yeah. uh what is one thing you would eliminate from life so i know it's really wild that there was like literally a section where I talked about how much I love eating wings, how much I love eating seafood. Honestly, my life would be so much easier if I just didn't have to eat. Um, I I would like I would like it if eating was like optional, where it's like you can eat to taste things if you want, but it's not like a requirement for being alive. Renesme. <laughs> it would also make a lot of people's lives easier, like financially as well, too. So you, you know, know, I, I think everybody country. benefits. And like other countries, yeah, we'd have no more starving artists. <laughs> yeah. Actually, that would, that would free up a lot of people. You know, free them. Okay. Uh, oh, my favorite. Who would play you in a documentary slash movie about your life? All right. So the realistic choice, and I feel bad because I don't know the dude's name, but 
Uh, if you've ever seen Everybody Hates Chris, the guy who played a young Chris Rock, um, a lot of people said he looked like me growing up. Um, assuming he kept the same trajectory, he probably looks like me to some degree now. What I'm going to, you know, what our reach goal is, you know, the, the studio says, you know, we've got an infinite budget. Who do you want? I'm saying it's Michael B. Jordan. Nice. Is Fine it accurate? Way. No, not really. But who cares? This is a movie about me and it's my movie. <laughs> exactly. Also, by the way, everyone, it's Tyler James Williams as Chris Rock in Everybody Hates Chris. Oh, yeah. Throw it up for Tyler J. All right. Uh Oh, wrong tab. That's why I'm confused. <laughs> okay, so you have a documentary movie about your life happening. Stars Michael B. Jordan. Yes, sir. What's the genre? The genre is we're gonna we're gonna have it be one of those like coming of age movies where you know he's discovering himself and we're gonna put it in it we're gonna put it like probably during my uh, actually no I couldn't have Michael B. Jordan play me in my teenage years because <laughs> that would that would just be so canonically incorrect. Um we'll have Michael B. Jordan playing like twenty three-year-old me who is just now i mean still coming of age but he's now accepting himself because you know obviously we're going to play it up for dramatic effect but like in high school you know when it was cool when it wasn't cool to you know be black and being into nerd shit because mind you this is like a pre like donald glover era where like you know it was still kind of somewhat unheard of like if you were a black if you were black and into like nerd shit people like think steve urkel instead of you know donald glover (laughs) so you know, I, we played up for dramatic effect, and it's about you know a well, a grown man at this point who's now finally buying into all the things he liked growing up. Now that he's found people he can celebrate these things with. Wow, who would play your mom? Who would play my mom? Ah, ah what is her name? Uh, assuming that she stays the same age. Uh, that she is now. I, I want to have Eartha Kitt play my mom. I don't even know if she's still alive. But... Eartha Kitt. I think she's still alive. Yeah. I think. Nope, nope, nope. 2008. Wow. Oh, off. wow. Uh, oh, wow. Well, huh. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> hmm. <laughs> uh, I was about to say, my backup was also going to be Whitney Houston, but I know she's dead. Um, well. But my mom does love Whitney Houston. So we, we you know, we'll... We might have the execs uh, run uh, some focus groups and figure out who plays my mom. You know, I was going to say maybe Brandy, but I was like, no, Brandy still looks the same age as when she yeah. was Cinderella. So, <laughs> you know what? We're going <laughs> to. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll let the back. industry decide uh, <laughs> who is still alive and who can play my mom. In this movie. And this is why I never asked that question before. But, <laughs> you know, you keep shouting at your mom. So I'm like, you know, maybe you oh, yeah. about this. Uh. Oh, okay. If you stick to the status quo, which clique would you be in high school? Or be oh, in, sorry. God. I would have... Uh, so if I was who I was then, if my school was big enough, I definitely would have been with the nerds. But that's the thing. It's like my school didn't really have... my Mind you, my graduating class was like, I think a slightly south of 80 people. So it's like we had dudes that liked video games. And I mean, I, I did play video games with them. But like, they were also on the football team. They were also like... It's like everybody was multi-classing. Like there wasn't like a single, no one was a single class in high school. Where did you um, go to school? Uh, the Potomac School, McLean, Virginia, a small private school uh, in McLean, Virginia. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, because you're not the only kid that had a school experience similar to that that has been on this podcast. Oh yeah, I feel like that's a that's somewhat of a common experience to a degree. Yeah, their graduating class was seventy six people, eight seventy eight people. 
Which uh, are they? Are they from the area? Virginia Beach. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, I probably would have like I if I was in a clique then I would have definitely been more into like classic nerds where it's just like they weren't on the football team. They just literally just sat in the computer lab and like gamed and like stuff like that. If I was in school now, I'd probably be hanging more with like the more musically inclined, the more artsy type folks. I mean, I, obviously, I still hang with the nerds. I, I feel like it's easier now to say that I'd be friends with everybody because I'm more of like a realized person. But like everyone in high school at the time is to a degree somewhat pretty one dimensional. So it's, you know, different experiences. Okay. So what click should you have been in high school? Uh, I. Definitely should I I I will claim it. I think I should have been with at least the like artsy kids. Obviously, there were like more photography inclined people. And granted, it was mostly film photography, so it's like I was only kind of good at it. But I mean, if I if I had hung with them and just like hung out in the dark room, just playing music, like showing music to people and just like vibing, you know, I feel like that would have been more fitting for me. Fair, sounds right. <laughs> Last one, I think. If your life was a jukebox musical, what would be the opening song? Oh, man. Um, <sighs> opening song would be Chandelier by Sia. Because anybody who knows me means that this is a song that I love to sing very loudly and very poorly. Um, and so that would, the like, my musical would open to me singing in the shower to this song and absolutely bursting everyone's eardrums. To the point where, like, you know, there'd be, like, comic effects of, like, windows shattering and, like, uh, you know, birds falling out of the sky. Um, you know, just, like, horrible shit happening because I'm so bad at singing. And that's how we start the film. So is this Tyler James singing it or Michael B. Jordan singing uh, it? I want it to be Michael B. Jordan singing it, but it's my voiceover. So it's, like, he'll be lip syncing. And I want everyone to think this horrible noise is coming from him. You know, you could just overdub it. Yeah, no, it'll be fantastic. Wow, that, what a, see, and this is why you're going to produce videos one day. Because <laughs> <laughs> you had the, you're the first person to describe the scene too. Most people just panic. Oh yeah, I mean, sometimes you just know what you, if you know what you're about, it's like, it kind of works itself. It permeates your thoughts. And like, these are thoughts that I have almost on a regular basis where it's just like, this is the person I am. So I, if like an exec approached me like day one said, hey, we want to make a movie that is entirely your unbridled imagination. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm in there. No, I can tell you mine when we go off because I saved that <laughs> for the season finale. <laughs> so awesome. So we did it. We got through. All right. Woo. So where can people find you? Uh, you can find me across all socials as at Parmesan cheese. Uh, that's Instagram, Twitter, Instagram, I think it's just Instagram, Twitter. Um, shouts out to my mom. Shouts out to uh, Tyler J. Shouts out to Sia, Sean Paul. My faves, yeah. <laughs> crazy ex-girlfriend. Yeah, crazy ex-girlfriend. Rachel Bloom, you know, I know you're very well on your way to making your own family, but, uh, you know, if you ever want to call me, you know, hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, speaking of which... Vincent Rodriguez III, a.k.a. Vinny, a.k.a. Joshua Felix Chan over there, uh -huh. is, like, the nicest person on Earth. Did you meet him? No, but, okay, we, we DM, like, every few months. Oh, okay. Or every oh, few yeah. weeks. Because, like, I check in. I'm like, how's your life? <laughs> is he is he still getting, like, casted and stuff? 
Yeah, he was just in the Amazon show. Oh, God. Oh, God. I should know this. Uh, Vincent Rod. Rodriguez the third. Okay, so he was on. Oh, he was in Insatiable. Once Crazy Ex Girlfriend. Oh, I, that is a show that I am very butthurt about. Uh, cancellation. We deserved more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Insatiable. Keelan. I Heart Arlo. With Love. With Love. That's the one on Netflix. Oh, not Netflix. Uh, Amazon. Hulu. No, Amazon. Okay. Uh, he does a lot of dubbing now, or like uh-huh. voiceover work. Well, I guess everyone is right now. Yeah, it's real. And the part I like to point out is that he is Emmy adjacent. Oh, because we go. all the choreography awards at the show won. He was a assistant choreographer for Head in the Clouds. Hell yeah! I was about to say Eugene Cordero, uh, who was also on Crazy Ex Girlfriend. I listened to his podcast, The Dumbbells, which is one that I'm also a fan of, and he's also in a lot of things too. So big fan of him. Yeah. Oh. So yeah, fit guys have problems too, and <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Uh, while you have the platform of the world of whoever listens to this, mm-hmm. hey world, um, is there anything you'd like to share or say to them? Uh, honestly, I cannot recommend enough. Uh, if you're into something, don't hide it. Run into it head first uh, and enjoy yourself. Uh, as far as we generally know, we only have one life to live, so live it to the fullest. Boom. There it is, people. Wisdom, knowledge, power. (laughs) All right, Jonathan. Well, thank you so much for approaching this. Honestly, I messaged you, what, like two days ago and we're already here? Yeah, no, thanks for inviting me. Uh, I like podcasts as a concept, so I was like, how could I ever, you know, pass up the opportunity to be on a podcast? To be the star of a whole episode of one. Yeah. To be the focus that you're fascinating enough. <laughs> oh, by the way, everyone, the music people I was thinking about early is James Abrahart and Camille Angelica Purcell, who just goes by Camille. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so world, catch us next orbit, aka next episode, whatever that is. In this case, who knows what the release schedule is anymore? But AO. Every other week, a new episode, hot topics thrown intermittently, which is why I can't commit to when the next episode is. We might have a hot topic come around. So yeah, uh, Jonathan, again, thank you for coming on, and bye, world. See ya.